Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, one more robot learns to be something more than a machine. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. And I've got a question for y'all. Do you, Joe? I do. Would you like to ask it? How, how unusual. Please ask your question. <laughs> Have you ever noticed how anytime there's a human being who follows you on Twitter or favorites one of your tweets and you click through to their profile and then you click on their website, it's just some spam page with a bunch of pop-up ads? Uh, I, I will say that I am not unfamiliar with what you are saying. I try not to click through to the website. Yeah. That's a smart move, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. Because No, I, I don't notice this as pervasively <laughs> as I was just leading you to believe. But there is a certain phenomenon that I think uh, we are all somewhat familiar with now. Mm-hmm. The fact that there are, let's call them agents, okay. loose on the web that are not human beings, 
And and not like subhuman beings. We're not being <laughs> elitist in some kind yeah, of way. We're not, they're, they're... This, this isn't an episode about the future of trolls. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there there are people who lack humanity, but we we would probably say that they uh, possess consciousness and like a brain and, and probably a some system. kind of flesh body. Yeah, yeah. There there are many agents indeed on the internet that are not possessed of a flesh body. Yeah, this isn't a new thing either. No, 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 no. And so we've talked plenty of times on this podcast about the Turing test, about artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. about. Uh, ways of creating pieces of software, robots, computer programs, apps, all kinds of things that are designed to try to lull you into the sense that you're interacting with another conscious agent like a human, even if you're just interacting with a machine. Yeah. And then, that, that, it, that might have some very sophisticated kind of uh, simulation of intelligence, or it might just have a small collection of a few clever tricks. Right. And it may not even be intended to fool you into thinking you're talking to a human. It may just be that this was an attempt to create a more naturalistic means of uh, of addressing an issue. And it wasn't an attempt to you know deceive you. However, there are some uh, agents that were specifically engineered as a means of deception in one way or another. Yeah. So today we want to talk about bots specifically bots on the web, what the bots are, mm-hmm. how to spot them, what some characteristics are, and then maybe have a little discussion about what we think about the future of bots. Yeah. So uh, we, so maybe we should start this off by going back to an old favorite of ours, which is the Turing test. Right. So the Turing test, this was something uh, that was kind of proposed by Alan Turing, and it wasn't really a test that he was proposing. Uh, yeah, it was more a thought experiment. Yeah, he was just kind of saying that if you were to design a computer program that could fool uh, a human judge a certain um, percentage of the time, usually it's it's related to being around 33 percent, so a third of the time, that uh, you could argue that this machine is uh, at least simulating the appearance of intelligence. And if it can do that reliably, why would you not just go ahead and extend it the courtesy saying it is intelligent? After all, when I have a conversation with another human being, I assume that human being is intelligent because of my interactions with previous hu- human beings and because of my own experience. Why would I not extend that same courtesy to a machine? Of course. And what you might be thinking is, no, I don't assume that the humans I interact with are intelligent. (laughs) In which case, you're mean. (laughs) Well, we should observe a a sort of phenomenal difference between the interactions we typically have with humans, or or at least the majority of our interactions with humans, and the kinds of tests that we now would call Turing tests. Mm -hmm. Because typically the Turing test, as it's imagined today, is a text-based affair. Yep. It's talking about communication that's uh, carried out entirely through words, written text communication. Right. You're not talking about looking at a person and and seeing their face. That That's a whole different kind of – we would probably still call that like life simulation or artificial intelligence, like the mimicking of, say, human facial movements. Sure, or something sure. like that. And there's been tons of studies in robotics to do exactly that, to design oh, robots that won't creep people out by having more kind of a human interaction and yet uh, having to avoid the uncanny valley problem. Yeah, of, where if you get too good, yeah, it actually gets creepier. Right. It's 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 too good and yet not perfect. So it's that gap between too good and perfect or, or good and perfect where 
if you make a robot that's good, then it doesn't seem creepy. If you make a robot that's perfect, it might not seem creepy. No one's done that yet, so it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. But if it's really close but not quite perfect, it it is unnerving. It is heebie-jeebie um, city. Yeah. And, yeah. and the Turing test, the, the various uh, programs that have been said to pass the Turing test, in almost every single case we're talking about – lowered expectations of what the the bar would be. Uh, yeah. Right, right. We're talking about text communication uh, via computer with uh, a, a bot that would purport to be, say, a child whose first language wasn't English. Right. Yeah. Or someone else who would be uh, culturally or grammatically hampered in normal conversation. Right. Or they've just got some clever tricks for changing the subject whenever they're not sure that they understand you. Uh, right, right. right. Uh, for example, purporting to have some kind of psychological condition that makes them act really shady. Yeah, that's a yeah. yeah, perfect. All of these are real world examples we're alluding to. Right. But of course, when we talk about these these programs that are said to, you know, there's there's an article you see where they say, oh, we passed the Turing test. These are sort of like staged experiments where right. people mm-hmm. set up the test on purpose mm-hmm. and that they have somebody who's trying to determine if they're chatting on some kind of instant messenger program with a real person or right. with a computer program. But we actually encounter pretty much this scenario in real life in the wild all the time right no celebrity judges yeah because bots let's face it on the web they are everywhere yeah and sometimes they are again we're uh, aware of it and it's not a problem like it might be an automated response to a helpline for some service or product that you use. Mm -hmm. So you might go to a website and really it's just a way of filtering you down so that you either end up getting the information you want because it's somewhere buried in a help file, but it's way easier if you go through a a very conversational approach to narrow down what the problem is, or it then directs you to the person who would presumably have the actual answer you need. Those That's one type of bot, but we're really kind of focusing on the kind that you're not necessarily supposed to know was being run by a machine. Right. So I've got a question for you. Ask away. How much web traffic <laughs> do you think is a real human sitting at a browser looking for something because they want or need to know? So, See, uh, how- if you had asked me this question like two weeks ago, I would have said clearly all of the traffic on the web, aside from maybe like a few researchers that like send stuff out to go look at stuff just just to see what happens. <laughs> I would have said that like 98% of all web traffic was actual humans because why? Why, Joe and Jonathan, would anyone <laughs> ever create a robot that looks at websites? I'll, Robots don't need websites. I'll tell you why. Pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, <laughs> dollar bills, hundred dollar bills. Yeah, we're talking money, money, money. Wow, I yeah. I didn't expect we were going to get to hear that today. Prince Charles, yeah, I I I bust it out when I have to. No, you got to hear these these projected numbers. Okay. This is this is pretty eye opening from from last year from 2014. Yeah, yeah. This uh, there was one figure that came from the Interactive Ad- Advertising Bureau that suggested that around 36 percent of all web traffic is quote unquote fake, meaning that it was actual bots. It was it was. Uh, non-humans surfing to websites. And uh, the reason for this is pretty easy to understand when you realize how a lot of uh, funding for websites happens. 
you have advertising displayed on web pages. And the more often people are going to your web page, the more valuable that real estate is. It's kind of the same as if you wanted to buy a billboard next to the major highway running through your city versus the tiny little side street that hardly anyone goes down. The billboard next to the highway is probably going to be more expensive to use than the one on the little side street. And therefore is going to generate more revenue for whoever owns the highway or the advertising space. Right. Right. So if you own that advertising space, what you should actually do is buy up a bunch of autonomous vehicles and spend day and night just driving them back and forth (laughs) along that stretch of road. And that sounds crazy, but this is what human people are doing. Right. Just on the Internet, not on actual streets, as far as you know. So... (laughs) So th- th- this is uh, this is actually a problem. Yeah. Right? This is not this is not just something where you're like, oh, well, that's weird that that more than a third of all traffic. By the way, that some, was the conservative. Estimate. Right. There were some experts right. who were saying that as much as 50 percent of traffic on the Web was actually generated by non-human entities. Now, it's worth saying that these probably aren't the forward, the same forward facing bots you're going to interact with. Uh, right. Not right. the ones that you see in comment sections and on social media. We'll yeah. get to those in a minute. Yeah, right. they're, they're probably not also on Twitter. Bots don't usually diversify yeah, like that. This is so essentially algorithms uh, are pretty simple. Exactly. This is this is an algorithm that that navigates a browser to a particular Web page uh, and stays there for a given length of time. That's another thing that you guys may not know is that the amount of time spent on a web page can also mm-hmm. uh, impact how valuable that web page is. So if it's just a hit, if that's all they're looking at, well, that's that's easy. But if it's more than that, if it's how much time was spent on that web page, because if it was a fraction of a second, then clearly they didn't have enough time to view whatever advertisements might have been on that page. But as the Bureau has pointed out, it is a serious problem because it ends up devaluing digital experiences. If advertisers come to a website and say, hey, we want to advertise on your page, but we happen to know that more than a third of all the traffic going to your page is not from actual human beings, we're not going to pay you the amount you think this page is worth because it's not really worth that. It's not actual human eyes that are seeing the stuff we want to put on your page. Right. And so I'm not a digital marketing expert, but from my understanding, the way this works is it's not typically going to be that, you know, let's say you operate a web page. It's probably not that one third to half of your traffic is fraudulent. Right. It's that there are a whole lot of sort of spammy kind of shady sites out there that are funneling tons and tons of fake traffic to themselves. There's even and that's that's sort of changing the average. There's even I don't know if you saw this. There's even speculation that it can sometimes be a rival advertising firm oh, no. what? sending huge amounts of traffic to bankrupt their opponent, their, their competitors by saying, well, our competitor will pay out a certain amount of money every time this website is viewed. If we flood that website with tons of traffic, they're going to, have to pay out tons of money as a result because of this agreement they're in and will end up hurting our competitor wow. this way. That's uh, a sneaky trick. I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing that some advertisers do is uh, use bots to purchase ads, uh, like software that can identify sites that fit within the advertiser's plan and then place ads on those sites automatically at high speed. Wow. So sometimes it's bots showing ads to bots. That were placed by bots. That were placed by bots. Yeah. Yeah. All I can imagine is all the Amazon robots going crazy. Like, we have to deliver. No, wait. The delivery was canceled. No, wait. We got to deliver. (laughs) Just like an an insane activity inside the Amazon warehouse. 
And and uh, according to numbers that I read, it's only about four percent of bots that are purchased that of of ads that are purchased by bots as of 2013. But media marketing folks think that that could boom to like 80 percent in the next 10 years. That is an enormous growth. <laughs> yeah, and I think that might be hopeful. I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> so if you are like an advertiser trying to advertise on a website and you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out if its traffic is real or fake. Uh, again, from what I understand, in a lot of cases, this is pretty easy to do. Like you can look at some certain metrics and kind of say, oh, OK, well, if you have the is... access to the metrics, it can right. be. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that actually it behooves the 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 people who are running the website to keep an eye on those metrics to make sure that they are, in fact, uh, legitimate, because if it were ever discovered that they aren't, whether whether ultimately the owner of that website was at fault, it's going to negatively impact that owner. Right. So if the owner is employing bots, essentially, to visit the website to drive up numbers, if that ever gets public, that's a huge black mark against that that website and that owner. If, in fact, someone else is doing it and the web owner is completely innocent of it, it can still be a black mark. So it's one of those things that, you know, honestly, if you really look at the long term, you don't want this happening because it ends up hurting everybody in the long run. It's only the short term where it seems to have some gains. Right. But let's if you are one of these people who's trying to use one of these sneaky tricks to like uh, generate a bunch of fake traffic. Mm hmm. Obviously, the artificial intelligence capabilities are getting better. And this is an interesting variant on the type of artificial intelligence we usually talk about. Mm-hmm. Usually, we talk about a kind of um, single agent oriented artificial intelligence simulation. Like when you're doing artificial intelligence, you're trying to create a program that can talk like a single person or behave like a single person. This would be artificial swarm intelligence. Like it's trying to behave the way massive groups of people actually look in statistics. Yeah. And you can imagine like if you wanted to get super clever with this one, you could try and design an algorithm that would surf to a page as if it had been human. In other words, to follow a trail as opposed to just directly navigate to a site so that if someone were looking into it, it would look as if it was an actual person. And if you really wanted to be tricky, you could look for times when uh, it's the the most um, advantageous to initiate a swarm activity at a website. For example, let's say that there was a big press release. Then that ends up naturally saying, well, curiosity would be raised because we've They've got something new to announce. Therefore, you would expect an increase in traffic. We're just artificially boosting that increase. So it gets super like super secret spy type stuff going on. And this is all on the corporate end. Right. But let's say you're not involved in any kind of uh, web advertising or anything like that. You're just a normal Internet user. You use some social media. Mm -hmm. Occasionally you look at the comments. You know, you shouldn't, but you do. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you except for the normal part. So go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what is normal? really? Uh, Yeah, I I haven't figured it out. Well, it turns out normal is encountering tons of bots all the time. (laughs) Uh On social media. Yeah, we are all going to be encountering lots of bots all the time. So you're going to find bots on Twitter. Yeah. If you use uh, online dating, you're going to find bots on there trying to scam you. Mm -hmm. Bot accounts. Uh, there is, uh, bot, there are bots on Facebook. There are bots in the comments section of almost any article or anything you look at. Yep. 
uh, they, yeah, they, yeah, they're you, everywhere. Whenever you see a like you go to an article or a video, anything really that allow, has a comment section. And whenever you see someone who is posting a link to something that is truly unrelated to whatever the content is, that's more likely than not a bot account. Uh, yeah. Sure. And even if it's posting a link to something that is related, that can still be a bot account. Sure. And even if it's just seeming to participate in the conversation like a human would. It that can, can be a bot account. Yeah, yeah, it can be. Yeah, it, we're going from the the easy to detect to the more difficult to detect. Sometimes, depending upon uh, the the interaction, it may be really hard to detect, and we'll get into that. Okay, so just for the record, what do we mean when we say bot? Like, what what distinguishes a bot from you know a full fledged artificial intelligence program or something? Yeah. You know, Complexity is a big part of it, right? Yeah. For for a truly like depending upon what you're talking about when you say AI, because as we've discussed before, AI covers a wide variety of of uh, disciplines, behaviors, that sort of thing. Like you could argue that having a sensor that sends a message to a program that then has a reaction based upon the information the sensor has gathered, that's a type of AI. Yeah. Uh, you could probably – it might be a reach. You could even argue that like a, a robot that successfully squirts ketchup on your plate or on your hot dog has some kind of AI. Well, yeah, because it has to detect where the hot dog is and then yeah. detect you know how much pressure it needs to use. There is some – There's intelligence involved in ketchup. Yeah. yeah. No, if you ever see the way that I end up trying to put ketchup on something, you realize I lack that intelligence. <laughs> squirt it in both eyes and then try to wipe your eyes like, on the hot dog. It's It, it, it does <laughs> – I, we, I thought we agreed we weren't going to talk about the lunch meeting <laughs> at the podcast. But um, yeah, so – but at any rate, if we're talking about the type of artificial intelligence that is meant to maintain a prolonged conversation or the type that is supposed to at least simulate uh, intelligence on a more general level, what we would start to look at as potentially being strong AI or at least simulating the appearance of what we would consider strong AI. Strong AI being a machine that can truly think, right? A machine that is capable of thinking and making decisions, perhaps even having consciousness, although that there's an argument over whether or not that would be necessary to truly be strong AI. We're still talking about weak AI in that sense. Bots can be even simpler than that. Yeah. Bots can be so simple as to really be, uh, uh, you know, closer to that, that model of a sensor that sends information and then the computer reacts in a specific way. It may be as simple as that. Yeah. Typically it's thought of as something that's very simple. It automates a task on the internet. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you you can have like hacker bots. That's another kind of thing that we're probably not really going to talk about today. But sure. somebody might create a a bot army of a bunch of computers with with programs secretly installed that hijack those computers to do what the hacker wants. Right. Uh, and some of the bots we're talking about here may in fact be the result of that. Sure. Because. It means that the person who is ultimately responsible for creating the bots has a level of protection because if it gets traced back, it's traced back to the victim's computer, not to the hacker's mm -hmm. computer. Right. But then also a lot of bots on the web that we interact with are – they're so simple that they're not even really like artificial intelligence. I mean they're they're a collection of tricks. They yeah. might have like three tricks. Sure. And they just do them over and over. And most of the time they're not going to fool anybody. But every now and then they do. And they're so cheap 
Right. You might as well use them. It's a shotgun approach uh, of just like, well, these aren't going to fool everyone all the time, obviously. But like if that one or two get through, then same same uh, same philosophy strategy as as people who send out or or create networks to send out spam emails. Mm -hmm. Right. The idea being that, sure, 99 percent of the people who get this are never going to respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to say, I believe you, Nigerian prince. Thank you. Thank you for this information. Exactly. That one percent that does respond, however, if you're sending it to a large enough group of people is still a significant number. Sure. So it's the same kind of strategy there. In fact, if we wanted to give an example to explain this simple behavior, you could use Twitter. It's a very easy platform to describe. Let's say that you set up an algorithm that does a search for certain keywords. Whenever those keywords pop up, it identifies the person that sent the tweet that contained those keywords and sends an at reply to that person with a link attached. Uh, the goal being for that person to end up clicking through that link. Yeah. Yeah, if like, it's, hey, you mentioned lunch. Are you interested in weight loss? Right. Click through to the spam page. Right. And <laughs> yeah. it may, it may even be more, more, um, uh, you know, n- subtle than that. It may be like, I think you meant, and then the link, or that's cool. Have you seen this? And then the link, you know, something so that it's harder for you to initially identify that as a sales pitch. Yeah. A lot of them work by, I would say, limiting interaction or information. Yeah. It's just, it's a pretty simple trick, but sometimes it works. Another thing is, I think a lot of times, uh, Twitter bots overcome their simplicity by hiding in plain sight. Sure. Like they don't seem to care all that much if they look like a real human. There are just enough of them working in tandem that they can blend in with a mixed crowd of real humans and other bots, especially for certain kinds of uses. And one of those that I would identify is swaying public opinion. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So have you all heard about propaganda bots? Yeah, I've heard about these and, uh, It's incredibly upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. So there are political bots out there. It's a phenomenon on comment sections on social media. uh, And they typically work by like polluting political conversations with garbage or propaganda Mm -hmm. or even sometimes perhaps attempts at straight up intimidation. Sure. Uh, Just one example is that according to some sources, it looks like the Kremlin has created a Russian Twitter bot army to sort of like shout down criticism on the web with pro government messages. Again, this is, this is allegations. Right. And and we have seen in the past, it doesn't even have to be a, a, an officially state sponsored uh, project, right? Because there can, there can at times be people who have the capability of pulling something like this off who sympathize right. with the a, state. Right, it could be an ideological faction. Yeah, it could yeah. be. Like, and, and the challenge is finding out whether or not, in fact, finding out whether or not it's state-sponsored tends to be incredibly difficult unless... Someone has made a poor life decision. Right, someone has... Uh, or someone has, covered their trail. Right, yeah. or someone is a whistleblower, which can uh, also be a poor yes. life decision depending <laughs> upon the regime you're talking about. Sure. Um, it could be a valuable service, but it can, depending upon the state, be really dangerous as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One incident I was reading about earlier was that people have been referring to this thing that I was talking about earlier, the, the Kremlin's supposed Russian troll army. So they show up. <laughs> Which, at- just on the the – the phrasing of that sounds like Tolkien. Yeah, <laughs> I like think of like all these giant Tolkien-esque trolls wearing fur hats marching through Siberia, which is uh, kind of 
awesome, but that's not what we're talking about. No, what these do is that. So let let's let's say that your comment section or your Facebook feed mm-hmm. is Helm's Deep. Okay. So okay. You're, you're speaking my language. Yeah. <laughs> they show up in droves to leave comments and post on social media, trying to rally public opinion to a pro-government position on issues like uh, Russia's alleged involvement in the Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, and the February 2015 murder of the Russian dissident Boris Nemistov. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found an interesting post on a blog network called Global Voices Online by a guy named Lawrence Alexander. And if he's correct, he claims that he used some open source tools to analyze the Twitter activity of these accounts that were tweeting the same pro-government messages after the murder of Nemistov. Mm-hmm. And he he came to the conclusion that by analyzing their activity, this was a bot army. These were bot accounts that right. were created to sort of like shout, uh, you know, political pro-government messages. And I, I don't know. I think that's a really interesting and kind of worrying development. And like what what does that mean? Yeah, it's it's tricky, too, because when we're talking about. Twitter, when you know how Twitter works, you realize that this is something that only only works uh, in specific ways. So, for example, if I tweet out something that uh, would trigger this sort of bot attack, mm-hmm. uh, when I tweet that out, the people who see that tweet are going to be the folks who follow me. Right. Mm-hmm. The people who the, the bots that respond to me, the only people who would see the responses would have to be people that are already following those bots because otherwise they and they'd have to be following me if it's a direct at reply because that's the way Twitter works right if if people want to see what I tweet they have to follow me um, or they end up having to search a term that I have used and then my tweet will, assuming that I'm tweeting publicly will pop up so uh, using Twitter as this platform is difficult in that uh, if you're trying to sway public opinion, you have to hope that it's because people are searching certain terms and because you're using a massive bot army, most of the conversation ends up being from your perspective, then that works. But if if you're talking about just the public discourse in Twitter, you know, you have to first get people to follow your bots if they're going to even see what you have to say. Uh, well, I would say that in order if you're just looking to to sway opinion, to cause some kind of doubt in someone's mind about the the opinion that they currently hold, uh, having what appears to be another human person send you what appears to be an earnest tweet response to right. something that you've said, going like, "Hey, have you thought about this other thing? Like, right. should like, have you considered this? Have you read this article? Uh, something like that. That could be enough to start sowing." those seeds of right. a different idea. So in that case, you're talking about on a case-by-case basis, on the uh, actual right, people. Right. Like and you're trying to change their minds as opposed to changing everyone's mind at once. You're you're pinpointing the, the quote-unquote trouble spots and addressing those. Uh, sure. And uh, furthermore, the, the way that the general public uses the, the, the metadata, the, uh, the, the big data of Twitter, is that a, a lot of researchers uh, will go in and and search these kinds of terms and kind of get a reading on overall public opinion based on the number of people that are tweeting about right. a thing. Mm. And and so that could be stilting uh, jur- journalism sure. or, or research into yeah. political parties. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Also, I mean, I thought about how 
even if it's not necessarily convincing you of the correctness of the pro-government position, I mean, what is the uh, like effect on your emotions of if you say something critical of a government and suddenly like 500 Twitter accounts start shouting at huh. you? And I mean, you well, can I mean, have an intimidation effect. Exactly. Oh, of course, of course. If you realize that it's a bot and you suspect that your government has sent this, I mean, even if it's just one or two people or, or accounts that are tweeting this kind of thing at you, like there's definitely an intimidation factor. Right. There. If you if you don't know it's a bot, then it's intimidation simply because you're getting people who are uh, disagreeing with your perspective, mm-hmm. and that can if if there are enough of them, you can start to question whether yeah. or not your Point I mean, of view it, is, is it would depend on the tone of the tweets and stuff like that. Right. If it if it was you, like if you do realize they are bots, then you're thinking, uh oh, now I've got the attention <laughs> of a state <laughs> that's right, not right. good uh, necessarily. So yeah, it's it. You could even Joe and I were talking about this. You could even make the argument that this is an indirect form of censorship because you start to intimidate people into being in silent. Silence, sure. Sure, if used in the right way, I think it could be something like that. Uh, Another thing is that this obviously isn't limited just to Twitter. Sure. Twitter is sort of what we're focusing on because it is one of the most open kind of ways to look at this because, you know, Twitter is generally it's easy to retrieve a lot of data. And it's specifically what Alexander was looking at yeah. mm-hmm. when uh, uh, when he was uh, analyzing this. Uh, right. it's, it's also the easiest to automate um, of any of the social media platforms because it's v- it's very simple to uh, th- there are very few checks and balances in creating accounts and sending out tweets. Sure. Right. But you could also look at the activity of bots on Facebook yep. and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But sticking with Twitter for a minute, I, I think we should drill down and look at what it looks like to be a Twitter bot. Sure. Like what, what is that existence like and how do you know them when you see them? Well, uh, I mean, this one is really super tricky for Twitter in particular because like we were talking about with the Turing test where you had that lowered set of expectations yeah. because of whatever, like it, like the, the supposed entity you are speaking to is a uh, 13-year-old boy who does not speak English as his first language, then you have a different set of ex- expectations. You, you realize that that entity is not going to have the world experience of an adult. They are not going to have the linguistic sophistication in English of someone who is a native English speaker, presumably anyway, depending upon your your past experiences. Sure. Uh, but same sort of thing applies with Twitter because you have the hard limit of 140 characters to get your point across, which means a lot of us, even as uh, being like even even the people who, who are masters of the English language, people other than myself, for example, uh, they would find it challenging sometimes to express a particular thought within those 140 characters. And often we end up having to take various shortcuts or we have to, uh, you know, take we have to make compromises in the way we're trying to communicate our, our message, particularly if we want to share a link within that as well. For example, I would want to share a link of a forward thinking video episode where I have the idea of what I want to communicate, but I realize I can't say it and share the link within 140 characters. So I have to start making cuts, which means sometimes what I communicate ends up not sounding entirely human. You you say watch or suffer. Yeah, something something along those lines. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or you will be assimilated or whatever. Um, so in other words, because Twitter pr- places this limitation and because we have all encountered it and because we have all made those compromises – it lowers our bar for oh, what sure. we expect when we sure. encounter that. It's also a pretty casual medium, and and people are not 
always using it in order to compose poetry, right. uh, dissertation level tweets. You know, yeah. people will just be like, and yeah. send it out. Like, uh, yo, Bay, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I will not click. I realize that I have just in- invited a ton of those messages to come at me, uh-huh. but I will not click on those links. <laughs> I don't care what the link goes to. If you write, yo, Bay, watch this, it is not happening. I, I don't get it. You don't get it? Well, when it starts, when they you start getting the flood. Okay. Yeah, then you'll get it. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes Twitter bots can be harmless or even delightful, I'd say. I mean, sure. I, I, I have to admit, I get intense pleasure from the old favorite horse ebook. Sometimes I just revisit that when I need a laugh. <laughs> uh, the, the, if you're not familiar, there it was an automated Twitter account, or at least at some point I think it was automated. At another point, I think it was actually taken over by a human user maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a Twitter account that was famous for tweeting out these lines of garbled you know, garbage like text weird, that was pulled from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Be- beautiful things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It was uh, sold in 2011 uh, to an alternate reality game, aka an ARG. These are those. <laughs> Have you ever played an ARG, Joe? No, How I about haven't. you, Lauren? Have you? Uh, yeah, I, I participated a little bit in a I Love Bees, no, I'm so the did I. Halo Two campaign yeah. from circa oh, what was that? Like, it was many years ago, like 2003, maybe it's something like that. It so was a game where you use your smartphone camera to shoot. Swarms of bees at your coworkers. We did not have smartphone cameras then, okay. <laughs> no, no. or I didn't. At any right. No, though, an ARG is one of those games that has uh, a real-world component to it, where you have to do certain actions within the real world, or certain things happen to you within the real world that also carry over into a virtual world, and you progress through the game that way. They usually, they, they almost always have a very defined beginning, middle, and end because. They employ lots of people to run the back end, and you can't perpetually do that. So uh, anyway, in this case, they thought, here's a Twitter account that already has a dedicated number of followers. Let's go ahead and end up using this for a viral marketing approach. Yeah, it's it's a clever idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's a clever idea. It can sometimes work. Um, it doesn't always work. There yeah. were other ones too. Like I remember there, there were certain chat, uh, like, like Twitter bots that would respond if you use certain phrases to grammatically correct you. Like, well, <laughs> actually, you probably meant this rather than what you actually wrote. Um, how often were they wrong? It, de- it depends. <laughs> it depends. I can't, I, I want to say there's one that, um, that Bernie Burns of of Rooster Teeth has talked about before because it was a particular uh, uh, phrase or word that he hated seeing because he knew that it that people either were using autocomplete or they were mistakenly using this one word when they in fact meant a totally different word. And I wish I could tell you what it was, but I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. If I do remember, I'll make sure to tweet it out when this episode goes live. But but yeah, so so there are some bots that are out there for uh for fun entertainment reasons like those, or or to just tweet like Big Lebowski quotes at you if you quote Big Lebowski yep, on Twitter. I've had sure. that happen. Uh, but... There are a lot of others that are maybe a little less helpful, a little sure. less delightful. They are there for lots of purposes, uh, not just trying to sway public opinion in terms of propaganda, but also maybe for marketing and advertising, or we might say spamming, uh, for trying to trick you into downloading malware. Oh, trying yeah, to, those are the worst. Yeah, trying to funnel you into some place where you can be taken advantage of mm-hmm. on the web. Uh, so there's a lot of research that's going into how to uh, identify 
these bots. And, and I mean, Twitter has a has a policy that if it finds a bot that you're using that is malicious, it will shut it down. So let's go way back to the early Twitter times. Uh, sure. Not that early, but well, when did Twitter start? About 2007. Yeah. Wow. So so 2009 Man. is. Yeah. Like so around 2009, 2010, it was uh, that some researchers from Texas A&M came up with a scheme for catching bots on Twitter. So it was a phenomenon back then, too. And they, they took advantage of some observable facts about Twitter bot behavior. Uh, for example, Twitter bots like to follow and they like to retweet. Mm-hmm. And th- this is sort of part of the, the Twitter bot strategy, right? You need people to follow you, but normally people don't want to follow a bot because you're not friends with them and whatever. So they'll take advantage of the fact that a lot of people just automatically follow back. Right. They'll follow you, hoping you don't really investigate, and you just follow them back, and now you're on their spam. Well, list. especially if they, if a bot retweets you, then it's also, you know, trying to flattering. Yeah, exactly. It's trying to 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 stroke your ego, and hope that uh, you will also either follow back or you'll click on something that the that's in the message. Right. So that's a sort of observable fact about the Twitter bots. They like to follow, they like to retweet, but they don't have very good taste in friends, if any at all. So the researchers set up these boring, garbage-filled bait accounts that no real human should be interested in as far as they were concerned. Yeah, only hipsters and bots follow them. Well, apparently. (laughs) Then they waited for the non-discriminating bot love to pour in. And using about 60 bot bait accounts, they identified 36,000 candidate bot accounts. Mm. Back then, that seemed like a lot. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> how, how young we were. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, there are tools that you can use that, uh, are, that will supposedly go through your, your Twitter followers and alert you to the accounts that appear to be bots. So I'm going to talk can... about one in just a second. Yeah, so. I don't want to use one of those <laughs> simply because I'm afraid of seeing that all you have you have three hu- human followers and six thousand non-human followers. Uh, well, as as of 2012, you could buy the follows of 25,000 bots for just two hundred and forty seven dollars. Yeah, this was from a company that was called uh, uh, Buy Real Marketing. Yeah, B-U-Y. It does not. Uh, Appear to be operational anymore. Yeah. Um. But but big companies and celebrities are purported to have have purchased followers like this as a kind of cheap way to puff up their online image. Right. Yeah. The the idea of being able to to say, look how important I am because this many people are interested in what I have to say. I uh, had a conversation with somebody. Uh, I won't name the person I talked to, but another uh, online personality who at one point had said, hey, I'm not saying that this is what you should do, but this is something you could do where if you want, you know, if if your value as an employee is somewhat based upon the number of people who follow your account, you should just on the down low go and buy these because if that's going to be the metric, then here's how you can game the system so that way you can, you know, have that metric hit the goal. And I was thinking the whole time, I was like, I could never do that personally because I couldn't live with myself. But I could totally see how if that's if that's how you're being judged. No, yeah, well, I mean, it's there were news stories uh, back when clout was was more popular. Yeah. Uh, when it first came out of, of marketing uh, people and, and and public persona type people being hired based on partially their clout score. Right. And that might end up getting a little bit of a boost if you suddenly have 
you know, 20,000 people following you. Mm -hmm. It's Uh, part of the metrics. Yeah. But then that also ends up encouraging services like clout to build in uh, elements of their algorithm to look for red flags like that. Mm -hmm. So one of the interesting byproducts that is happening with this is that we're starting to see improvements in both the detection systems to try and find bots and the systems used to create bots so that they are harder to detect, which is very similar to what we see with security systems. Uh, right, right. And it's, <laughs> it, it ultimately means improvements in artificial intelligence, which is a, which is cool. Generally a good thing. Sure. But the actual particulars might be really irritating. Uh, yeah. And, and one advantage of having this large of a sample size of this kind of data is that people can study it pretty well. Right. Well, you can, for one thing, compare them to the accounts of suspected real humans. Mm-hmm. Suspected uh, real humans. Right. Suspected bots and suspected real humans there and, and what's what's different between them that, that would be an interesting thing to know well people have studied that uh, just one was a, a group from Indiana University in Bloomington uh, they did the analysis on I think it was based on the the sample set created by the Texas A&M researchers mm. uh, and they did the analysis on that and they came up with this little web app you can check called bot or not <laughs> Which will evaluate a Twitter account and let you know if it's a bot. And in fact, it gives some kind of interesting feedback on bot probability. Like, it's not just, like, probably a bot. It gives you these different, like, metrics of, of humanness. Have you have you tried this? I did. Oh, wow. It, it said I was probably not a bot, but it wasn't real sure. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to try it on me. Yeah, you got to try it on yourself. It's sort of like a Voight comp test for Twitter. Like I imagined it tweeting that you know, Leon is like the tortoise is on its back. Hashtag you're not helping. Why, why is that? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this this is both at reply. Funny and I'll tell you and... about my mother. <laughs> Wow. Sorry. Anyway, so so we discovered some things about bot accounts. Here are a few. They retweet others more often than humans. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Um, They've typically been Twitter users for shorter periods of time. Okay. They typically have longer usernames. Huh. Uh, There was another study that I found. It it was published in PLOS One back in 2013 that looked uh, solely at tweet times and patterns. And according to it, uh, bots tweet randomly at all hours of the day and night, whereas humans are more likely to uh, tweet from like like A in bursts and B from the hours of like 7 a.m. to midnight, obviously depending on the human at hand. It could also – things like that, I mean – Obviously, if you're using something like TweetDeck where you can schedule out tweets, then that might end up making you look more bot-ish mm-hmm. than, uh, than other human beings. But let's face it. If you're using TweetDeck, you really are sort of a robot. Aww. Thanks. I use TweetDeck all the time. I have it up Aww. right now, in fact. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, it's um, yeah, it's, it's fair. I, <laughs> you're so human. It's but, beautiful. Uh, <laughs> but another thing is that like it, and again, this isn't a dead giveaway, but it is one of those flags is how many people does the bot follow? Right. Right. Because if you are a human being and you really do wish to use Twitter in some sort of useful way, you're probably limiting how many accounts you're following because otherwise you can't keep up with what's happening. It's just a fire hose of content. And it's constantly updating and you will never be able to see anything from anyone you're actually interested in following. So if you're following – like I follow 
I think it's between 200 and 300 people. And, you know, occasionally I'll add folks to it or I might drop people off if I realize that I haven't seen a tweet from them in a really long time. Um, but that tends to be my comfort zone because that's what I'm interested in seeing. Uh, but I, uh, some of these bot accounts, you look and like 126,000 people followed and you think there's no way anyone could ever follow 126,000 people and actually have an idea of what is going on. So, well, you, you, you can use you can use filtering options to only follow to only immediately follow certain lists. But uh, <laughs> even so, I mean, it's just so, sure, it's one sure. now. Some in some cases, if it's a celebrity who wants to uh, end up uh, encouraging as much interaction with fans as possible, it may very well be completely legitimate. But uh, if it's some if it's a name like just a long string of 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 numbers after a a, a noun of some sort or a name of some sort and otherwise you don't recognize that person at all it's an indication that it could be not necessarily is but could be a bot yeah uh there's another sort of statistically informed fact that you still shouldn't use too much because this fact is that bots more often create a sort of persona for themselves that is female gendered uh, right. And that's because, according to research, female gendered social bots get more attention. It's this amazing. Uh, this is basically because uh, gender bias exists in our society. But uh, this this was a study that was out of Brazil. It released 120 bots on Twitter for 30 days. These, these bots could post tweets generated by algorithm um, and also retweet things. Mm -hmm. And Twitter caught and deactivated less than a third of them. Uh, Twitter users themselves didn't always catch on or maybe care that these were bot accounts. Uh, the, the, the bot accounts received a total of just one shy of 5,000 followers during that month. 5,000 followers. Uh, I, it's, some, some <laughs> bots, some, some of the accounts had like repeat followers from, from the other bot accounts. Uh, the, the follows came from a total of 1,952 users. I wonder how many of those were bots. Good question. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it could be that it's, it's a bot followed by bots, but we don't know. Sure. But but over 20 percent of these bot accounts received over 100 followers, which puts them in like the 46th percentile of the most popular Twitter users. Huh. <laughs> That's more followers than I got. I know. Right. Though yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a low engagement yeah, Twitter you, user. You are. Yeah. You, you're under the radar for a lot of people. Uh, I bet we can get you more than a hundred just for this show alone if we were sharing your your Twitter handle. That's uh, okay. They, the researchers also checked these bots' clout scores, and and Joe, I think you you were actually the one who who originally quoted this at me. So if you would like oh. to say it out loud, because you, you were so tickled by it. No, well, I wrote it down, but now I can't remember where the quote came from. Uh well, I've... the 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 quote came from the researchers. Oh, okay, uh, okay. So their clout scores were the same or higher than quote several well-known academicians and social network researchers huh <laughs> well and you know from my of course own... then again who wants to follow an academician <laughs> from, from my own experience like more often than not i don't get i don't notice follows from twitter accounts usually i mean uh i don't notice uh like bots following me but i definitely notice bots tweeting at me so they're not always following users sometimes it's just an at reply uh and i can I can usually detect it pretty early on. If I don't notice it directly from that tweet, what I tend to do, if I see a weird tweet from somebody, 
I will click through their name to look at their most recent tweets. But don't click through to their website. I don't do that. I just look to see their Twitter feed to see what kind of tweets they've been sending out. And usually it's just a line of at replies to various people, often with the identical phrasing. Sometimes it ends up being um, uh, peppered in between nonsensical tweets that clearly have been scraped from some other Twitter account Mm -hmm. or have been formed seemingly at random <laughs> because you'll read it and you think I all the words in that sentence make sense but collectively it doesn't mean anything you know the the like made up tweets that these bots tweet I feel like very often a characteristic of them is you can't tell what they're talking about but they sound like they really mean it you know right, you, you right. could you could probably end up making a very successful book of nonsensical bot tweets where it's one per page. You could totally do that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, you know, the thing I always do is I always flag those accounts as spam accounts. I every single time I encounter one for two reasons. You have no mercy. Well, no, I don't. (laughs) Not for not for spam. I I don't mind marketing if it's done properly, but Uh I don't want spam. Uh, And two, it means it automatically blocks that from, you know, I won't see tweets from that, that entity anymore. So that's the two reasons why I do it. And it's not like Twitter is going to pounce on an account if it gets one flag for being a bot. So it may be that, you know, it'll take a certain threshold of, of reports, but I always encourage people who use Twitter, if you encounter this, go ahead and flag that account for, for one thing, you won't see anything else from that account again. Uh, but if you're curious, you can always go and use bot or not. That's true. You Check could do it that. out. Although I I find that just looking at the, again, the past few tweets usually gives you an indication. You know, there's one other place other than uh, than social media and comment sections that you very often might encounter bots on the Internet, and that would be in online gaming. Yeah. And in this case, it may not be the purpose of the bot to fool other players into thinking it's a human. It's more to fool the game into thinking it's a human. Because generally speaking, most games have policies against automated uh, player behavior. They don't want players to use bots to play the game. I mean, really, depending on the the game, they, they the owners might not care. Because if it means that someone is paying the account for that bot to do the thing it's doing, they That's might not. Okay. Yeah, they're like, yeah. hey, you know, you're paying the same amount whether you're human or a robot. I don't care. Ah, uh, sure, but but. In a more responsible concept yeah. of game ownership, right. uh, they, they might care about the user experience of their real players and, and not want people to be automating processes that either make the game unfair or right. just less fun. Exactly. If they are being responsible, they don't want an unbalanced experience from their players and, and they don't want people to uh, to end up having an unfair advantage because they purchased a an account from someone who had just set this bot, this automated behavior so that this this uh, automated player account ends up doing a specific task so many times that it builds up the character in some way or form, usually through experience. So it's a bot that's seeking out very low level mobs or monsters. Uh, and, you know, if you were to grind that way to build up your character as a human, it would get very boring very quickly. But bots don't get bored. They just keep doing what they were programmed to do. Well, we don't know that they don't get bored. <laughs> well, they don't complain. So uh, <laughs> or that you might have it where it's mining gold or the equivalent within whatever game so that you get a massive amount of gold that, you know, it, it may take 
let's say that it takes four hours to get a significant amount of gold. So therefore the, the most players aren't going to bother doing that because it's such a huge time uh, commitment. But again, a bot's going to keep doing it until it's told not to do it anymore. Um, these are the sort of things that, that game systems have to look for. And it's not usually up to players, although if a player sees it and reports it, then an administrator might take a look at it. It's usually something that requires um, software on the game side, the back end, maybe on the server side to look at this behavior. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, and there are even um, uh, competitions to build bots that are really, really good at doing what they do without being detected. So uh, they're not always massively multiplayer online role-playing games. That's the one that I'm most familiar with mm -hmm. as far as bots go. But these can even be in first-person shooters. Uh, and there are competitions to build convincing bots in first-person shooters. So you could, in theory, build a bot that navigates through a first-person shooter map and targets people in the head and shoots them with unerring accuracy because it's a bot, not a human. This a particular approach would end up giving it away that's not, in fact, a robot. It is, in fact, or it is not, in fact, a human, rather. It is, in fact, a robot because it's so accurate that no human being could do that. It's able to react in uh, a split second of a time of, of time as opposed to a human's reaction time. So you're saying that every time that I suspected that someone was a Goram cheater in Halo, it was probably right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say yes, because <laughs> frankly, I'm scared of you. And I don't want to suggest that you are not a good Halo player. I, I did just clench my fist very hard, guys. <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly like there have been times where I have been in online games where I thought, wow, that person, that person is so good. I can't even imagine what they're playing like. And to be fair, people who play on a professional level play. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they, they seem inhuman, but Sometimes there really are inhuman entities in these games. And uh, there was a, a competition in 2012 uh, called the Bot Prize that was uh, – the, the challenge was for teams to try and build a convincing bot that would play Unreal Tournament uh, at a level that was similar to how a human would play. So, so it's the Turing test for violent video games. Exactly. Yeah, the idea being that, okay, here's a robot that is essentially a robot that's controlling this this uh, game character, but you don't want it to be a dead giveaway that it's a robot. So it has to play more like a human would play. It has to be able to make mistakes. It has to have a delay in the time when it detects an enemy and when it can aim at that enemy and shoot at that enemy. It has to have all this built into it so it seems fallible like a human is rather than having machine precision like a robot yeah. does. And uh, there was a bot called UT to the power of two that convinced enough judges that was actually a human player in Unreal Tournament that it won the prize. Uh, there was supposed to be one in 2014, although I did not see anything about that. So maybe the it might have been that the competition fell apart after the 2012 one. Uh, but uh, it's it's pretty fascinating, which means that ultimately, as a player, you might not be able to tell if another entity within that game is in fact controlled by a human or controlled by a bot. But uh, ultimately, if it's controlled by a bot, it needs to be a bot that's bad enough that you could beat it anyway. Huh. <laughs> if uh, it's always beating you, then you might at least suspect that something hinky is going on. Sure. Well, that's that's kind of fascinating, though. It's, it's another 
area in which your your interaction with a human person would be limited enough uh, and, and you might make assumptions about that human person that they're distracted or that, I mean, you know, you're, you're probably not talking to them over right. a headset because that would be a really advanced bot. Right. Yeah. But they'd have to call you a noob. They probably all use that uh, irritating robo voice that was an option on Xbox Live that I hated so much. Uh, but but yeah, it, it's another situation in which you're making assumptions about the people that you're playing with. And so you could perhaps be more easily fooled by uh, basically your expectation for human is lowering rather than your expectation for robots being yeah. improved. And of course, this isn't always used to give someone an unfair advantage or to frustrate other players. Sometimes we are using bots in video games for entertainment purposes. You guys have heard about the bot tournament that's going on in Civilization? I have not. Okay. It is a guy who has installed all these different mods in Civilization and is having a game of 42 computer-controlled players set on Earth all of the, the starting positions are uh, a correlative to where the starting positions should be for all the civilizations. All of them set to deity level ability. Huh. And the only way to win is to destroy everybody else on the planet. That's the, the parameters they've set just to see who would win at the end with those uh, that criteria. And um, uh, one that's still going on right now. Can you all right? Knowing that we're talking about both historical civilizations and current ones, the two uh, civilizations that were eliminated at approximately the same time shocked me. Uh, it was Germany under the control of Hitler. That was the that was the first one, and North Korea was the second one. Wow. As yeah. it turns out, uh, oppressing people doesn't really work out that <laughs> right. well in the long run. So the question right now is, will Gandhi last long enough to go totally nuclear on everybody? Because when civilization was developed, Gandhi was set so that it, he would be the most peaceful. And uh, the way they had set that the peace meter was that it was a, 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 uh, a, a number that went from like zero to 256. But Gandhi, if enough conditions happened to make him more peaceful, like like you had built the United Nations and it would lower everyone's oh, hostility. Oh, man, would he Y2K into the other end? Yes, he would go from z – instead of going from one to zero and staying there, he'd go from zero to 256 and go as <laughs> as aggressive as you possibly could. It was an error that was made and then – Everyone identified Gandhi as being the most insanely aggressive player, and they kept it on purpose from that point forward. They discovered the bug and decided it was funny. It was better. Yeah. Uh, wow. wow. But anyway, that's well, that's an I example. Hope, of, I can only hope that, that Gandhi will eventually choose the <laughs> nuclear option. Yeah, we'll have to see if he lasts long enough to develop what nuclear weapons. But at any rate, that's just an example of <laughs> – of bot behavior being used for entertainment purposes as sure. opposed to these other irritating me means. Yeah, yeah. And we, we need to remember, of course, that uh, creating simulated behavior, simulated and automated behaviors for these environments is not always malicious or, right. or inconvenient. They, you know, or sometimes it's Sometimes it's for fun. Sometimes it's benign. Right. In or, way or, or, for, or for greater research, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool, too. I'm all for creating bots to research bots. Yeah. But... So I, I'm wondering, what do you all think as just citizens of the Internet, mm -hmm. you know, as a web user, you're on social media, sometimes you look at the comments. What do you see as the future of our relationship with bots? I mean, because 
there's sort of an arms race, right? Like right. the spam filters and the bot detectors that are automated are getting better. We're we're sort of evolving too. Like we're all learning just personally how better to spot bots as web users, but also the bots are getting better. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think, uh, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say that we would see the bots get sophisticated enough where uh, upon at least casual uh, observation, you would not be able to tell the difference easily between a bot and a real person and that it'll reach a saturation point until there is some form of collapse, not necessarily a collapse of the platform, but maybe collapse of confidence in that platform and that as a result, the bots will lose their value because no one will be no one will care about it anymore. And then we'll see kind of a cycle where the bots will get kind of not used so much. That's my guess. Or what if and this might be kind of outlandish to suggest, but what if bots by becoming so sophisticated that it's hard to tell them uh, apart from real people become worthy of our attention? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, you know, a very, very sophisticated bot that can easily trick a human observer into thinking it's a human operating a Twitter account. Do you mind interacting with them on Twitter? Yeah, uh, that's what I was kind of just thinking about. And and I, I mean, if I were to find out that someone that I've had conversations with on Twitter is actually a bot, I... I wouldn't be mad at it, you know, like like at that point, I, I would kind of want to talk to the person who had written the program uh -huh. and and, you know, I'd like like come interview them on a show. Be like, hey, you did this really cool thing. You totally fooled me at any rate. So that's pretty rad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I would be impressed rather than upset as I, long as it wasn't threatening to right. like turn me into Mother Russia. Yeah. I, I then think, again, I think if it weren't malicious, I would definitely be impressed. Of course, we would be impressed. I, I think. To counter this, perhaps, I think you would be impressed by the novelty of it. Yes. So what if we live in an age where bots like this, you can, you know, buy a million of them for a penny. Right. And they're just they're everywhere. Well, I that, mean, they're already everywhere, but like really, really good bots are everywhere. You, you, you're talking at that point about the potential collapse yeah. Of, of entire industries because yeah, the they're collapse of Internet society. Right. Basically, which yeah. would be incredibly destructive. So uh, here's hoping that we never reach. I mean, I, I assume we'll probably reach some semblance of that and then get through it. It'll just be the point where that happens will be really ugly and it'll take some time. It'll it'll I would assume it'd be similar to something like a dot com crash where, you know, the the consequences would be pretty grim, at least for a while. And we would eventually get through that. Um so I, I think that would happen, too. I mean, I hate to be kind of doom and gloom about it, but ultimately bot behavior on a wide scale basis can be pretty dangerous. You know, I wonder if and, and this might not be doable just because of the way um, the way bots are incorporated into the sources through which we access them, like social media platforms and stuff. But if we could end up where, with browsers that have bot blockers in the same way we now have ad blockers. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, that would probably be more like a, a virus blocker in the same well, kind of like an ad blocker because it would probably have a database yeah. right, that it would right. have to depend upon. And it wouldn't necessarily automatically detect whether something was a bot. But if it fit in a database, it would say, all right, this is we're just blocking this interaction. Yeah. And I, I, I suspect that that kind of countermeasure is going to. I mean, it's still going to be an arms race, but I but I picture it more or less evening itself out at a certain point. Yeah. I, I don't I don't foresee a 
collapse of Twitter as we know it. I, I would hope not. And I also think that, you know, bots can potentially be very helpful. What if I go on Twitter and I uh, express that I need a certain thing? Like there's something that I'm looking for that I haven't been able to find, but then there's a Twitter bot that totally can point me in the right direction. At John Strickland, your keys are in yeah. your front left pocket. Thanks so much. Now, now, now my Twitter <laughs> handle is out there for everybody. No, I self-promote all the time. I'm not mad about that. I'm just glad you said it and I didn't have to. Uh, but no, no, I mean that it could really be very useful depending upon what it is you're looking for. Like, there are times where people complain about their experiences with a brand and then the brand will get in touch with them, especially if they have a lot of followers, uh, to, to try and resolve that. Well, bots could make that happen much more easily for a lot more people. So it's not just the folks who have 50,000 followers who get, you know, re- response from a brand that they've had some issue with. It's everybody. And it may be that we see more problems resolved because of that. So I see a lot of potentially good things coming out of bot interactions. But again, those kind of interactions tend to be more on the, hey, I'm a, I'm aware that this is a bot that's that I've encountered, but that's okay because it's getting me to what I need. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which as is opposed- free stuff because I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> or, or at least addressing whatever the problem is. Yeah. yeah. Um, as opposed to a bot that's designed specifically to fool you into thinking it's a person. I mean, that's always going to be a little more... A little I mean, peevish. Just, yeah. just a little bit annoying. Yeah, because you've been tricked, right? Oh, right, and right. It, Nobody it, likes to be tricked. Right. Unless you're unless you're specifically going to a stage magic show where you're like, I want to see amazing illusions where I don't know how he did it or she did it. This is not something that you generally seek out. I think the takeaway of this episode is that the future of social media is a stage magic show. All right, Ooh, that's fair. I can only hope. Yeah, I, I, uh, I can make a coin disappear. Into a vending machine. We, we did that oh. episode about those previously. <laughs> I, I I know you can't, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks. Well, uh, you know, this has been a, a really fun conversation. We had talked about how this was going to be a super short episode. And, of course, we found so much to talk about. It was a really long one. But it was so much fun to talk about. So uh, we want to encourage our listeners, if you guys have ideas for for topics we can tackle in future episodes or you have your own thoughts about what we have said in this episode we want to hear from you so send us an email the address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com or get in touch with us on social platforms and let us know you're not a bot or that you are a bot we don't really discriminate you can get in touch with us on twitter google plus and facebook at twitter and google plus we are fwthinking Just search for FW Thinking on Facebook. We will pop up, leave us a message, and we'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? 
Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.